2: which was held at the Glow Pub in Brentford. This social featured three Brentford legends, Terry Evans, Marcus Gale and Iger Anderson. We're going to split this interview into two parts. The first part will have Terry Evans and Marcus Gale talking about their experiences. The second part will have Iger Anderson talking about his. But they'll all be interjecting in all of this as well. Here's Terry Evans and Marcus Gale chatting about Brentford. Ladies and gentlemen, everybody, thanks very much for coming down tonight. Thank <laughs> thanks. This is the first, as you know, sausage Social, and just going back into the history of it, again, myself and Laney have been trying to organise this for about three years now, and uh, every time we tried to put our head around it, we thought, oh, no, we've got to try and get people down, and players, and music, and... It
3: some work. Yeah. <laughs>
2: It's easy just turning up at matches and videoing people, but this is actually takes a bit of work. Um, but it's not necessarily about us; it's all about all you people as well. I'm not trying to sort of kind of do the old sort of cliche thing, but yeah, we do our podcasts, we do our videos, we do our blogs, and at the end of the day, But at the end of the day, if we don't get the feedback from you, and people don't turn up. It's the same thing. So to us, it's a Brentford family, and uh, the fact that you know you've all turned up tonight. We've made it; it's not secret squirrel, but we made it a little bit like if you want to come. Turn up. So the fact that you've turned up on a Wednesday night two nights before we beat Philham, come on! <laughs> is absolutely teething tremendous, as I, as I say. So look, listen, if, no, no ado, like, you know, I, I'm very, very pleased to, uh, to be sitting here at the top of the table with a couple of characters here who I used to stand on the terraces and used to watch them play football every single week, and they made me very, very, very excited. And, you know, it may be 20, 25 years down the line, but it doesn't matter because you've got Manchester United, Man City, all these teams that do their thing. But for us, this is what actually used to make us tick back in the days. And we didn't care that they were back in the old third division as it was because that, you know, that was what was very important to us. And uh, for me, it was part of my kind of, the years when I started growing up, when you got a bit of money in your pocket so you can actually start going to more than two or three games a season, even though I never went to two or three games a season, um, you know, so I started to go to sort of 46 games instead of 40 games a season um, and uh, absolutely great times to, to the right of me here, I've got Mr. Terry Evans, absolute legend for Brentford <laughs> As you know, Terry Evans signed from Hillingdon. He played for Hillingdon, played for Brentford for a very long time, and then he signed on for Wickham. Um, it wasn't until I did a little bit of research because, again, you know, as you get old as we do, as well, your gray, your, your grey cells go a little bit, like you know. And uh, I didn't realise that Terry actually sort of signed for Brentford sort of earlier on than I ever remembered. Actually, he signed on in '85. Um, For us, and he played for us for until um, 1993. So 1985 to 93—that's eight years. Played 229 games in that period, and he scored 23 goals as well. Um, Absolutely tremendous, as well. And we're going to talk about Terry Evans and and his contribution to Bradford. (laughs) Then we got the man Marcus Gale. Marcus Gale. Absolutely again, he came a little bit later on in, in the time to a certain extent, but no, because Marcus actually started off in the, in the youth team at Brentford, and I know there 's a lot of talk about and we 'll talk about this a bit later as well but there 's a lot of talk about Brentford and the youth team and the academy and stuff, but he started off with the youth team at Brentford, worked his way through, and ended up playing for Brentford, where he played. Um, he scored 22 goals in 156 appearances for Brentford, um, you know, and he played for Brentford, then he moved on to Wimbledon, then he played for Rangers, or Glasgow Rangers, as we know one of our ex-managers is now the manager of that team at the moment now, and um, he'd probably give us a bit of an insight into his time there as well, uh, before moving on to Watford and sorts. So Marcus Gale. <laughs> and then... A l- and this is, not, this is not least, because it's not last but not least, Ija Anderson. Moving on a little bit later in the period, Ija Anderson as well. Again, Ija signed for Brentford. Again, doing the research, because again, the grey cells signed a lot earlier than I actually remember, because we remember the promotion years when we so graciously got promoted up at Cambridge. But Ija actually signed in ninety five. For Brentford from South End, age 19. He played for Brentford, 201 appearances for Brentford, Iger Anderson. Then he moved from South End to Brentford, played for us, then he moved on to Swansea as well. Uh, IJA, absolutely, teeth and tremendous in, in the defence, and there was a proper legendary team going on there as well, like, like these guys as well, IJA Anderson. So listen, guys, we thought the best thing is we just want to have a conversation with you. There's me, we've got obviously Laney, Dave Lane as well from Besotted. So me, Billy, um, Dave Lane from Besotted as well. We're just going to have a chat. So listen, if you want to interject, if you want to say anything, if anyone from the audience wants to say anything, you can interject at any time. If you want to interject, what we'll try and do is we'll try and get the microphone to you so that you can say on microphone because we're trying to record this, trying to be semi-professional at least, like I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) So we'll do that as well, but you know we've got a load of questions we've got for Terry and we're going to throw it out there as well but you guys like I said it's an evening with it's not us with these guys it's everybody with these guys there as well so you're allowed to throw in all your questions and your answers and your jokes and your laughs and, and your memories and stuff like that and if anything we'll also have a Q&A at the back end of it as well if anyone else wants to throw anything in if you're all cool with that yeah so Terry Terry Evans 1985 Hillingdon Borough as you played for at the time and uh very young, you signed for Brentford as well, very highly rated, but it's interesting because I, I, mean, I was looking through the book, um, the, 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 the 80s and the 90s book, as laney has got out there as well, was absolutely wicked, you should have a look at these. I mean, it's, it's an absolute encyclopedia of information there. Hillingdon Borough, it's interesting because a lot of our players were signed from teams like Hillingdon Borough, signed from non-league teams as well. Um, when Brentford came to you, I mean, what, what, what were your thoughts? Because you were quite highly rated in the long league, but you had to take a couple of steps up, didn't you? Yeah.
1: Firstly, like to say thanks for having me.
2: <clears throat> yeah, it goes back
1: to uh, I was in the QPI Youth Team, and uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> it, it was
2: all going so well, wasn't it?
1: <laughs> yeah. So I was uh, I was just born around the corner in. Uh, Shepherds Bush, so I was a Shepherds Bush boy, QBF fan as a kid, and uh, yeah, obviously changed now, you know, big big Brentford fan now, but uh, that's, that's how it all started really, and, and that's how I come to being at uh, Brentford, because Frank was my uh, youth team manager at uh, QBF, it was Jules Graham originally, Jules went off to uh, Millwall, then on to Arsenal, and uh, Frank stepped in. So, Frank was my manager at the time in the Cupid Youth team. Uh, they, they had a couple of good centre halves uh, Alan McDonald, Steve Wicks, uh, Terry Fennick, and I was sort of offered a year contract. At the time, I was working as a printer and uh, I, I was doing an apprenticeship, so I, I, there was no value in me signing just for a year. I, I didn't see myself getting on the side, you know, the established centre halves. So, I went back to playing the leg for a couple of years. I, I had a couple of decent offers. And, and stuck with a print apprenticeship and then uh, Frank just come down and said, you know, thanks for coming over to Brentford, mould it over and
2: uh, that, that, was, that was my reason going for Brentford, really. And, and, and you came down to Brentford and like I said, you, I think you are 20 years old at the time, okay, so you are in the side but again, I didn't realise that when you came in, I mean, there's an era where people remember Chris Kamara... You know, was was just about there, wasn't? You know, Chris Kamara, Terry Urlock was there yeah. as well. You know, so you actually walked into the side where there was a lot of people think, oh my god, that was the that was the midfield. Stan Bowles, even like, and I'm saying, I, think, I don't know if it was around about that time, but you walked into that team. What, what were your thoughts? I mean, you know, once again being a Cup fan. Bowlesy was a big
1: uh, big favourite of mine. Uh, Going there, Terry Herlock, fantastic player. You know, he, he, he told me He was only there for about three or four months before he moved on to Reading, but uh, really picked up a lot from him, leadership skills, everything else that went on with that. Uh, same with Cammie. Cammy moved on. I think he went on to Swindon. So, so those two boys went went pretty uh, pretty quick after I sort of arrived. But uh, just been and there's Terry Herlock as well. Remember? Yeah, well, t- 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 Terry was like I said. Yeah, he, he was the uh, he was the main man. You know, when he went into Brentford. But everyone, you know, she said, yeah, she fucking kicked lumps out of people. But But, listen, on a serious note, you know, he, he, the, the fella could play. He, he, he could play, you know. And I remember being at what, uh, one of the dudes at uh, Brentford, for only been there a few weeks, on the piss, having a few drinks, going out to tell. Walks outside and he's fighting with his old man in the gutter, you know. Fucking tough,
2: tough family. <laughs> I've got, actually, as you talk about that as well, I've got, I mean, you, as you know, ter- Terry's now moved on. He's working in rugby. He works at Ealing um, he's Rugby Club as well. He's at, he's at Wasp. He's, you know, he's changed changed, changed sport, you know, but, you know, we, we won't hold that against you, tell. Know what I'm saying? But I'm just saying that, you know, you work in that whole fitness and your body is your temple and everything like that, but um, back in the day, there was a different attitude to, to to football, as in, like, you know, as you said, Terry Earlock... <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: As you said, Terry olock you know, he's he's fighting with his old man. He used to go out and have loads of beers and everything like that. What is the difference between then and now? And, and has it made people better players now the fact that football has, inverted commas, cleaned up its act a bit? Well, I don't think it's cleaned up its
1: act. It's just that, 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 that the game's evolved, isn't it? You know, like the, the, the sports science has come into it. You know, injuries are treated a lot different. It's just just all the science that... How everything evolves, really. You know, back in the day, it was you know we all went on the piss on the Saturday after a game, but so did everybody else. You know, it was it was every club did it, every, every team did it. You know, it was your way of letting off a bit of steam. You just got on it, got uh, got pissed up on a Saturday night, and, and, and back in training on the on the Monday. You know, I, I, I we, you know, me and Millie, we used to play Tuesday night and go down to Broadway Boulevard and get get on it Tuesday night. You know. <laughs> But, but, you know, but, you know me, me and Millie are like brothers, you know, that, that, that cemented a, a partnership, you know, that's sort of how we sort of got on, we both like the piss, we both liked going out, and, uh, you know, we, we both played alongside each other, and I think that sort of built our partnership, really.
2: I mean, Frank, you talked about Frank McClintock, obviously you knew you say, at KPR initially, but he became your manager, and Frank was, you know, manager down there for a couple of years, I mean, what was, what was Frank like? Yeah, yeah, Frank was a was a great manager and he was
1: whole, wholehearted and, and honest, he was a real honest fella and I, I think he expected everybody else to be the same where, in, in, you know, in club environments you, you, you don't get everyone that's that sort of breed, it's, it's difficult, you know, I don't want hang anyone out to dry but it's, you know, every, everybody's different, you know, I, 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 he was a centre-half as well so I can hang on to that, you know, when, when I when I want to play, you know, first and foremost you, you play for yourself, you know, like we all talk about playing for the shirt, playing for the manager. You know, fuck who the manager is, it doesn't really matter. You, you play, first, first and foremost, you, you, you play for yourself, you have pride in yourself. And then you play for the shirt, and obviously the fans that follow it, you know. That, 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 that's, that's the first thing, but, you know, the, the, the time I sat in the stand, when I, when I blew my knee out, you know, I was out for a, about eighteen months, you know, and uh, sitting in the stands, I'd oh hear lads getting slagged off by other fans, and I, I thought, you know, if I ever get back to playing, I've got my mates sitting there, me bird, me mum and dad, and they can hear that, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be gutted, you know. So, it was, it was a good learning curve for me. I just thought, you know, if I go out and just give everything every game, you know, I might, might play like a wanker, but, you know, I'd, I'd try and put a shift in or, you know, if someone's getting the better of me, I'd try and bully them or if you, if you could dominate them, you could dominate them. But, you know, first and foremost, you play for yourself.
3: And,
2: and you say that as well because, you know, you, when you came into the team, you had rave reviews, you were doing really well, then obviously you got injured for a long time and you were out for, like I said, for 18 months uh, I mean, that must have felt kind of... That must have been a bit, a bit of a gutter for you.
1: Yeah, it was. Uh, I, I, I ruptured my cruciate, and uh, they, they were managed a lot differently back in '85. And they tried to stitch it back together. And uh, I, I rehabbed, got myself back in about eight, nine months. And it went went on the first game. But, uh, I White Gillingham, and uh, we found this fella in, in Cambridge who, who stuck a bit of old Gore Tex in the knee <laughs> to, 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 as, as a substitute ligament. So I had that done. Uh, it's disintegrated and gone away now, but. Yeah, it it, uh, it stood the test of time. You know, it's, it, it, I don't think I only played about twenty games for Brentford when I did my knee, and then uh, obviously I played another two hundred and odd, and I think hundred and fifty odd at uh, Wickham as well. So it stood the test of time,
2: but uh, yeah, it was very very close. You know, it, it could have could have sort of finished me. And we're and, uh, talking about the fact that you had you know Kamara, you had the Cassells, you had the Hurlock in that team, and it was a wicked team that looked like it was going somewhere, but then. The club got in a bit of debt at the time, and I think McClintock was probably a bit pissed off because he had to sell them players, wasn't he? I mean, what was the vibe like then?
1: Well, it's, it's always difficult, you know. Manager always wants to strengthen his squad, and when you're selling off your best players, I should imagine that Frank, you know, gets a bit, bit disillusioned with it. Uh, I think Steve, Steve, and Mickey Droy were bought in. I'm not, not sure whether Steve bought them in or, or uh, whether Frank bought those lads in. But then it materialised that, obviously, Frank was sacked and then Steve took over.
2: Sorry, that's Steve Perriman, yeah?
1: Steve Perriman, yeah. You know, I, I, was, a, I was a young lad. I didn't you know, have enough worry about just getting myself fit and, and the, the worrying about
2: things like that, you know, that, uh, that that was way above me at that time. And we've got to talk, I mean, in 86, I mean, you joined the club in 85. It was in 86, Jamie Bates signed. And uh, that was the start of a long-running relationship between the 2 wasn't it? I mean... Not in that way, of
3: course. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: I'm not sure he bakesy. No, <laughs> uh, but Bakes, ba- cracking lad, absolutely, absolutely cracking lad, bakesy. Uh, strange at times, a uh, l- little bit warped at times, but uh, no, fantastic bloke, bakesy. And hell of a player. A, a, a really, really good player. You know. I, I was always looking over my shoulder with, with Bakesy, you know, he, he was a great player. The only thing that I that I had, and I knew it, that, that uh, he'd always have that little lapse of concentration. It, it, it played would play brilliant with 93 minutes and, and fuck up and do something stupid, <laughs> you know. <laughs> the t- times I see him score own goals for about 30 yards. What, like, what? Remember one at Notts County, it was like goal of the season.
2: <laughs>
1: it was the general it was the General Way? We just stuck it at the top top corner. Mate, I think he scored more own goals than, than, than <laughs> not, you know goals for the, for us, you know. But uh, no, nah. lead. Oh, it was, listen, like I like to say, I it. Was a fantastic player, basically, fantastic player.
2: I mean, we had a load of obviously homegrown players and bees players, but we brought in a couple of low knees as well. So we uh, sort of, high, you know, sort of who reached upper echelons. We had Paul Merson and also uh, Graham Ricks as well. You played with them too. I mean, what were that? Are any stories there at all? I remember uh, picking Merse up one day
1: and uh, just driving him I used to pick him up in Norfolk just off that Shadwell estate I'd pick him up and he was over at the Arsenal but he wasn't driving pick him up take him through take him to the training so he's telling me one day he said oh yeah my old man was out playing cards last night and uh, fucking lost the car <laughs> <laughs> I
0: like, yeah. Yeah.
1: No, just, just, just like losing a couple of quid on the horses yeah. he said yeah the, the old man lost the car last night game of cards
4: <laughs> <laughs>
1: and, uh, and, and Rixie around the place, yeah, Rixie he, he must have stepped down a couple of divisions. Massive star at Arsenal, come back, come down and played for for Brentford. But once again, you know, he's put his shoulder to the wheel. And, and, and oh, I thought, you know, he, he was great for us. Put fucking some some great corners, free kicks in for me. I think he stuck one on me head against Fulham. I got scored against Fulham Boxing Day. He, he put a free kick in. But uh, yeah, yeah, two good lads
2: as well, yeah. I mean, I've got to ask you as well. I mean, it's interesting because, again, reading through the the, the record and stuff like that, talking about now is like when you get a player who's a great player, all of a sudden it's like, boom, he's gone. Like, we're talking about Scott Hogan, we love Scott Hogan, but we're like, we're hoping we can hold on to him after Christmas. He's only played about like 25 games for us or something ridiculous, you know what I'm saying? But looking through there, it's like, Terry Evans signs a one year deal, Terry Evans signs a two year deal, he signs another two year deal. Terence, I was like, a deal. It's just like you just keep on signing another deal, then another deal. And it's almost like that whole idea of like just sticking with your club was kind of really there, whereas now it's sort of like, you know, because you know, you're a decent centre-back, you did the business, you know, and if you did what you did now, you know, then, you'd be gone in a minute. So I just thought it was really interesting the fact that you... you for you con- 10 million
0: quid. <laughs> yeah.
2: You know, you continually just kept on signing and signing on for Brentford. Like, you know, I mean, what was the thought? Or was that just what you did back then? I, th- I think now you've got
1: you've got bigger coverage. You know, I, I, you, you put the telly on, you, you see goals from the fucking conference. You know, you, you, there's coverage everywhere of, of, of the football. You know, it's, it's on the telly all the time. You know, you watch Sky Sports on a Saturday afternoon. It's on who's scoring goals. You have know, got, got the fellow you know, Shreve saying, "Oh, that's the sixth of the season." So, you know, there's all that knowledge put out there. So it's in people's back of people's minds. And the other thing was that there wasn't that, that sort of money around. You know, we, we you know, don't, don't get us wrong. You know, we, we had we earned some. Good though, you know, it was, it was better than, than the average person, but it wasn't, man. I remember I was offered uh, Bassett coming for me to go up to Sheffield United for about another hundred quid a week, and it was like, fucking I don't want to go up north for another hundred quid. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, you know, is it, you know. But 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 listen, it won't, it won't for me, you know. And, uh, and yeah, and, and that was it, you know. So. Obviously, you know I can understand the young lads that are going to be at Brentford now, being enticed with a, with a wage from I don't know what, £10, 20 grand a week to hundred grand a week, eighty grand, sixty grand a week. You know, it's a, it's, it's, it's a big, you know, it's, it's a big difference. Like I said, for hundred
2: quids, got the uh, pop up the M1. Not for me. <laughs> so listen, Frank McClintock, he, he left. we so talked about Steve Perriman came in with his assistant Phil Holder or Noddy, as we called him later in the day. Um, he signed Gary Bliss at sixty grand from Crew. As well, and uh, like I said, that season we finished twelfth as well. Uh, you know, and again, like I said, you signed a new contract then. But at that time, you could see things were starting to evolve because, from what I can see, Perryman had a sort of different thought process on what he wanted to do at Brentford. So he brought in Andy Feely, Keith Jones from Chelsea, Roger Stanislaus as well. Because like Ritchie kind of like that. even Les Ferdinand came in on loan for uh, for a month, which, uh, if I remember rightly, was quite rubbish, wasn't he?
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's tough. <laughs> It's a good boy Les as well he's another good boy who come in uh, yeah I don't think he scored Les I don't think he scored I don't think Mer scored Just, but yeah it's, it's tough isn't it coming down to, and I think sometimes as well it's, it's, uh, it's down to the service you get as well you know if, if you know, it's, it's putting the old six yard box for you they're gonna, the boys are going to tap it in You know, it's, sometimes it's a bit harder trying to work it and and, uh, and make your own goals but, the, 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 you know, you're bringing up Bliss. I remember my first uh, meeting with Bliss, I think it was in, like, an army training camp. And uh, Bliss turns up, he gets on the coach, he's, he's in. So, uh, you yeah, know, we, we've, been, we've been beasted by PTIs all day. Yeah, fucking hell, we're in bed. About 2 o'clock in the morning, Bliss comes in, been on the piss. I think he's been out with Feely or someone, you know. And uh, <laughs> you hear him stumbling around, you know, smacking around. Next thing, he's pissing behind the wardrobe, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Me and Millie are like fucking hell. You know, sixty grand. What have we got here?
2: <laughs> <laughs> so we're talking about the formation of the team and how it sort of started. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> I've got no idea. So, uh, so like I said. Cockram came in. It's interesting, Richard Cadet came in, record signing, I think it was about £77,000 or something like that, something like that as well. And again, Richard Cadet, I mean, he's going to be on our next social as well, uh, Richie. Um, ooh, Richie. Ooh, Richard Cadet, Richard in the back of the net, yeah. But um, <laughs> I thought Richie was at Brentford for about 47 years, and I realised he's only there for about two years. This was one of those things that you just sort of kind of like forget in your memory banks, because obviously those years were sort of so formative for us when you know whatever we might have done or nearly did i think i think part of it is the fact that and i'm going to be honest with you at, at that time we just didn't do anything we, we did, And not of not, it was great, but so we loved all the players in the team. But it's almost like when you start to do something, then all of a sudden somebody puts the barometer and says, oh, wow, well, well, we, we finished second last season, so we've got to finish first. Whereas we were always finishing 14th and 16th and then 7th and 5th and 9th and stuff like that. You understand you, you know what I'm saying? So at the time, you still got sort of like this really quite rabid, quite sort of kind of like, Really potty for it, fan base. Yeah, and Steve played as well, didn't he? Steve. I
1: remember playing at the back with Steve. Yeah, yeah, for for, for a while. But for me, Steve Steve was probably the the best coach I worked with. You know, I'd, and I'd, I'd worked with Jules uh, Graham, and Frank as well. But uh, Steve Steve was very good, like the one to one stuff, and just holding your game, holding your skills. He was uh, he was it was a great coach.
2: And you know that I mean that year. We had that year where you could see where the team was building, and we had an absolute moment where. And the reason why I emphasize the fact that Brentford were nowhere, all of a sudden we were somewhere where we got an FA Cup third round game, I think it was. Was it third round? We played Man City. Yeah, and we, fourth round at Griffin Park. And we third round, third round was, yeah, yeah, Warsaw, yeah, that was rubbish. And then the fourth round, <laughs> we played Man City and we beat Man City, who were a Division One or, you know, and now it's Premier League, but Division One side at. Griffin Park and that was just like a, a, a moment which was unbelievable because we just we never did anything and all of a sudden we had beaten Man City now what was that day like for you because for me I remember it was just like I just I thought I'd died and, 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 and been reincarnated As what? As what? As a bee. <laughs> <laughs> but it was you know it,
1: it, when you're involved in a giant killing you, know, you knock, knock these teams over it, it, it's great anyway but it, it, you know, like, you you get the teams coming down from north and they say, give it the old soft southerners, but we fucking beat them up, you know. They, they, they <laughs> you know,
0: they,
1: they, they rocked up, we, we got we, we got into them verbally, you know, kicking you know, them, you know, we was into them, we was into them physically, verbally, you know, we, we actually beat them up, they didn't fancy it, I think it was pissing down with rain, I think it was, you know, yeah. virtually nearly puddles on the pitch, Yeah. Uh, yeah it, Yeah, it's difficult for them to come down, like I say. They are
2: bananas as well, didn't they? Yeah, a tight little ground,
1: you know, (laughs) poor conditions. And, uh,
2: and, you know, as as a team, the boys were up for it. So, around that time, this is 88-89, because that was the... I'll talk about the cup run, then we are gonna just come into Marcus in a bit. But 88-89, then obviously we beat Man City. Then the next game, we went to Blackburn. And again, you know, Man City was great. Blackburn was on a next level of, like... Absolute kind of like, you know what I'm saying? He's like, I, I don't do drugs, but if it, if it was a drug thing, you know, you think, oh my God, I've be just been given all sorts of stuff because this is just the best thing I've ever tasted in my life. That Blackburn victory is absolutely magnanimous. We'd gone to their ground, Blackburn, with, is it Jack Walker? Was he was he there at the time? He, or no, just before Walker, was not it? But they were up there somewhere, you know, in the division. But we went there, rubbishy Brentford as it was, and we went there and we just absolutely t- just took them apart. Bliss, two goals in the last sort of 10, 15 minutes, and there's what, what three, four thousand
3: beats. It was absolutely exactly. tremendous. I've, I've got to say, there's a brilliant, brilliant photo in here of um, Andy Feely and Terry Evans basically about to kill someone. <laughs> <laughs> and that it was it, during that Blackburn Rovers, it was the, before the final, but it was, you could see exactly what Terry just said they beat them up and there's a the, the intent in there is, guil- <laughs> is, is, is guilty
0: <laughs> well,
1: well, well it was you know like I say you you'd go up north and, and, and that, that that was a uh, you know it, they did think they were the you know the, the toughest species but uh, I always think that you know, the, you know there, there is a there is a tough side to us uh, to us London boys and uh, even there, we went up there. And, and I think at that time, it, it, was, it, it was a hell of a team spirit evolving. I, I don't know uh,
4: what you thought on that, Marcus, with the team spirit. Yeah, I was in the youth team at the time. I think I, m- I may have made my debut the year before, but I wasn't, wasn't involved with that cop run. But just watching from the sidelines, especially the Man City game, was, that was huge. Just being a youngster, watching our senior boys, Terry, Keith, the rest of them out there. Battling away, that kind of inspired us as well, because these guys were—they were, our, they were our, our, you know, our role models. We wanted to get there and enjoy the same moments that they had. Um, but that time was, yeah, it was—it was, it was a crazy time, I thought. Um, and I said the characters that we had in that squad, <laughs> Terry was one of them, and I'll, we'll probably get onto a story with him, with yeah. <laughs> <and do, laughs> me later on. But it—it it did help. The, all the all those youth team players back in the day, um, especially myself. Yeah, we did some character building stuff for those lads, didn't we, Marcus?
0: <laughs> 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 but listen, <laughs> <laughs> no, but
1: you know, that, that, and I think that's what Steve, Steve had brought in. Started started to, got nucleus of a side together, and the sort of dressing room started to so, to build and sort of take over, and, and and you sort of run your own sort of system. You know, everyone turned up late, you'd, you'd get stuck into um you know, you messed up on a pitch, you, you, you touch or, you know, anything. You, you, you knew you'd have somebody on your case, you know. So, you, 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 exactly, and it put pressure on you because if he's going to ball someone out or dig someone out, you had to make sure that you were switched on as well. So, so you, it made you improve as a player and, and obviously you'd be digging other lads out. And I think with with the youth team, the youth team that come through, you know, we, we dealt with them quite toughly. And, and it, you know, it shows how Marcus went on to, to get a great
2: career. Oh, all, all the other boys, you know, that, that come through that youth team that, that that went on. And and we're gonna come on to Marcus in just a second, but just before that, because the same season, we cannot talk about that season without talking about the Liverpool match, which was the big game. After we beat Blackburn, we got Liverpool in the quarter final of the cup. Six thousand B's went up the motorway to that one, and that was just like just unbelievable. And and if you think about it, is that we've you know since then we've had cup runs and we played Sunderland and we played Charlton and we played but well, we've actually never really had a game the magnitude, uh, you know, in the FA Cup in particular of that Liverpool game. And that was like 1989. That is like, what, 25, 20 odd years ago. And every year when the, the, when the, when the ball comes out of the cup, we always look for Man United, we look for maybe Arsenal, we look for something really big and we always get Burnley
3: or, or Derby or someone <laughs> nonsense. So... Although we lost on the day, Brentford were proud to be there and we put on a proper show and I think you know it's, it's players like Terry Evans that were there um, that really put us on the world map and, 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 I, and I really do think that that, that, whole, that whole era for Brentford made us realise that what a special club we support and it's, it's easy to think that we're little old Brentford and we are little old Brentford and I, I love being little old Brentford but we are also going places, and uh, 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 anyway, that's, 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 defle- that's deflected the, the power of the moment. How how a pair of tits can can can, can you shallow bastards?
1: Yeah, yeah, what 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 I do remember about the uh, the Liverpool game, you know. They were playing side. So I don't remember the grass was about that that short, you know. And they had the little tango balls, and they were just fucking pinging it around, you know. It, my mindset was go out, you yeah, know, let's kick off, and I'm just go- I'm just going to come through the through the back of someone, the, the, the first opportunity, you know, <laughs> just just to try and set the tone, you know, because we weren't going to beat them by playing. Just thought, know, yeah, let, let's try and turn it into a bit of a war, you know. So I did something not very nice to the to the. This is Anfield on the way out, trying to rile them up a little bit you know, got the. it took me 30 minutes Yeah, you know, and I think Beardsley slipped I just managed a stamp on his face which yeah, yeah. It, 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 I, I, I sort of intercepted the ball and he, and he slipped and he was grabbing onto my leg and I was just like, stamp on his head. but yeah, you know, probably too late and you know it was after half hour but Every time, you know, you, you just went to get tight on someone, just pinging it off. It was just ping, 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 ping. You know, it was just one touch all
2: over the place. There were some hell, of, hell of players there. But just coming down, now, Marcus Gale, because this time, 88, 89, Marcus, as you said, you were, you were a youth team player. And it's interesting because the youth team had only been set up a year. Colin Lee was the man. He'd been brought in to set up the youth team. Brentford had sort of nothing else going on, but there was a few sort of... You know far-fauting ideas, we need a youth team, we need some players coming through. and I looked at it, and I thought, geez, because I remember at that time it's like you, as a fan, you knew everything that was going on, and they, they started to throw some names in there, and you, I knew every single one of them, whereas like a lot of the academy players, some of them we don't actually really know, but all the youth team players we knew, so there was like there was you, Paul Buckle, Jason Cousins, Marcus Gale. like you were like sort of being touted,
4: like, you know so eh. <laughs> <laughs> You said, "You and Marcus Gall." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's two <laughs> of you. Yeah, that's right. the thing is, like, Marcus Gall <laughs> was,
2: <he> was <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: Yeah, the buckle of the Marcus Gall. Yeah, He was saying, and there was like, you know, people like um, Ashley Bays came out of the youth team. There was there, there was almost a, there was a raft of players that came out of the youth team, but they actually got first team opportunity, whether or not they like got in the first team or they're on the bench. But they were like properly right in there, and, and, and it'd only be going for about a year. So, I mean, Colin Lee must have been doing something right, or something must have been right, or maybe the setup was listen, we need a youth team and we need some kids, and we're just gonna throw them in the side and let them just do what, they, what they're gonna have to do. Whereas now, sometimes it may be a bit overly calculated where they, they develop all these players, but then afterwards, they're so, teams are so scared that they ain't gonna get the results. They're a bit scared to put the players in
4: to actually let them fight their place. First and foremost, the environment was spot on. We was treated like young men, as we should have been. Um, but playing against the first team, I think we should have maybe once a week, like a, a squad match against the first team, and that gave us our indication. So if my touch was bad, guess who would kick me?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Or if I left the elbow up, guess who would hit me? <laughs> so we learnt pretty quick. But I think w- with Colin, what he'd done with the youth team, he, he treated us like young men, and he didn't pull any punches with us in terms of trying to bubble wrap us or anything. He knew that we had two years to try and make it. Um, and by 18, you was, you was playing against men. You weren't playing 16-year-olds. If you was 18, you was playing against men. So the best way of getting used to that sort of life was playing against men, like Terry and Keith Millen, who were brilliant role models in terms of teaching you little things, but they, te- they taught you in the brutal way, in terms of tackles. and if you, I knew if I had a good day against them, they'd be complaining against me, get your elbows down, stop doing it, stop doing that. So I knew, for me as a youth team player, I was doing well. Um, and I think what's happened today is that they've kind of raised that bar to 21, where you're making it and this, they're denying those 18-year-olds the chance of playing against men. For, for me, in my time, it was like, you're playing against men at 18. Whether you make it at the club or not, whether you drop down or you play in the first team, you're playing against men. Nowadays, it's 21s, and I think they've just changed it to, what, 23s? When are you going to mature? Mm-hmm. When are you going to become a, a young man and start earning your own? By the time of 23 I was 23, I left here. Um, but that was under a good grounding of a good coach, a good first team manager that had um, a vision to develop young players. And Steve, as, as Terry rightfully said, it was tough. I used to come in, I'd w- be shitting myself because I knew Steve would challenge me to some sort of trick with his coach, which was Phil. He'd say, go and get your mate. We're going to challenge you to keep ups or whatever, whatever the skill was. Come and do it. If you don't do it, then we'll look differently on you. So every day was a challenge, a mental challenge, as, as well as a physical challenge. But it shaped us, it moulded us as a group um, I think one of the best days was when we played Man United in the Youth Cup sort of that one. yeah we're playing them on Saturday I wonder if Saturday's going to have over two and a half thousand yeah, there yeah, yeah,
3: yeah know that. Know that. So, so, so just his shoulder recovers yet yeah.
4: who collarbone collarbone Kotso that's yeah. what he named him yeah. as
3: <laughs>
4: <laughs> so that was it was a bit of sweet moment because he scored the winning goal
2: oh, sorry you might need to explain because some people okay. not understand what's,
4: what's going on. So, uh, what year was it? 89. 1989. Yeah. So we've played Man United. There's two and a half hours in that Griffin Park for the youth team. Brilliant night. We've beaten them. I think they've got Mark Bosnich in goal. I think Lee Sharp might have played. I can't remember who else was there but just those two for now. Kotso's um, gone through and scored the winning goal. So we've all jumped on top. Um, <laughs> he's on the bottom and then I'm the last one to see him on the floor so I'm he's holding his shoulder a bit I'm like what are you doing get up man he pulls his arm up to like help him up so I'm just like you know help him up and he's like Aah! and that's when his collarbone had, had broke <laughs> so so after the game we nicknamed him Collarbone kotso <laughs> I can't remember yeah but that period for us it was like you know what we've got a chance with the first team um, well, and I say to young players that I coach and people that I mentor as well is that the, the opportunity for the youngster all de- it depends on the first team manager if he's been given time if he's got three or four years then that youth team player's got three or four years to develop currently if the manager's only got six months so does that youth team player in terms of opinion and, and his development so we had a, we had a good system where Colin he just told us the truth he didn't hold anything back um, and also with Steve in the first team and Phil. Phil always kept his eye on us. He always came, came into our sort of training environment, match day environment, gave us his raw opinion, which is always raw. Um, and that was when he was happy. <laughs> if he was upset, he, he would kick tables and all that sort of stuff. But there was no kind of clouded area. You knew where you stood with the club. But most importantly, we, we knew we all had a chance. Um, and if he was good enough, he took the chance.
3: Marcus you you went on to play at the very top level of international football you played in the World Cup S- how did Brentford prepare you for that World Cup I mean you know to, to, to say that you played at the very pinnacle of the international game must be very proud for you I think they taught me a lot of life
4: skills I grew up in Shepherds Bush don't boo
3: <laughs>
4: Kaffner Road it was 64 Kaffner Road um yeah, it's two Where was you on that road? Where was you was you in Shepherds Bush? Galloway Road. Galloway Road. Galloway road. There we go. So, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, how I grew up with my mum in Shepherds Bush, there was a lot of life skills. If I wanted to play football, got to do your chores, got those out of the way with, blah, blah, blah. Leave school at 16 to come to Brentford, you know what? It's still chores. We was cleaning boots before and, making tea for the manager and the squad. Um, we had a lot of duties, and that sort of prepared us... In terms of appreciating the life of, a, you know, a young professional, um, but also the life skills by playing um, with the likes of Terry and many others, that shaped us as well. Is that you can't just rely on your ability alone. You have to, you have to work hard. You have to put a shift in. You have to take the knocks as well. Um, and Brentford really gave us, or well, gave myself, that foundation to, to perform. You know, I went on to to Wimbledon at a later stage, and that was like. If I didn't have the, the the Brentford preparation, I would never have survived because I was used to pranks. I was used to the senior players messing about and all that sort of stuff and testing you mentally um, because I had I had you no know, bigger characters to come in my life um, later on. So
3: it was good. Did it feel a bit weird? You know, like So you've grown up at Brentford, you've achieved at Brentford, you've got clubs coming in for you, and then you transfer to a new club, Wimbledon and you've got to reinvent yourself, you've got to prove yourself there. So how how, diffi- how different is it scoring for your first club than your next club? I think people look at my career
4: and they think Wimbledon. I think, yeah, that's the top of my tree. But I think my roots are at Brentford because that's where I grew and that's where I learned all my skills. Um, I got my confidence. I was sent out to Finland at 19 for six months, which really kind of... Exposed me to like good level football, and it convinced me that I could play football. I knew I would have a career after that experience of six months. Um, I mean, you scored thirteen goals in twenty-six games over in Finland, which is like you know it's
2: quite impressive because no one knew who you were before that, really. And then you came back and you like put yourself on the map, really.
4: I mean, they're quite miserable in Finland, aren't they? Uh, only the guys. <laughs> I, only the guys. But, um, I remember Steve calling me in the office, May of. 1990, and he said, Um, what are you doing this summer? Do you want to go to Finland? I went, am going out in anywhere near that, no. So, um, he set me up. up I wanted yeah, to go out and Apple, yeah. Go yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so when I told my mum, <laughs> I goes, Mum, the manager said, Would I like to go to Finland to play and, and get some experience? And I told him no, and she went, You're going. Like, I just thought she wanted to just get me out the house for six months, <laughs> probably she did. Um, she did. There <laughs> you go. Um, so I went in the next day and I said to the gaffer, I goes, yeah, I spoke to my mum, blah, 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 she thinks I should go and he said, it's too late, you're not going now, they've got someone else. So I, I kind of put my head down in disappointment and he went, you're going anyway. I goes, you're supposed to be out there two weeks ago, I just forgot to tell you. <laughs> so at the time I only had like a, a one-year passport, a little paper passport. See how times flow? I had a paper passport, I've gone out there and I said, um... After a week of training, he you can't play on this. You need a proper five- or ten-year passport. So I was crapping myself now, thinking, I've just had a really good week of training, I love the environment, and then I can't play. So they sent me back quick, sorted out the ten-year passport, played in the first game, scored on my debut, and then this started after the match, <laughs> which um, at the time I weren't drinking. I were not like with Terry and Million at the, <laughs> at the Broadway Mullamar. <laughs>
3: It, it sounded like a It sounds like a very different era, where almost like you were told and you did. These days, there will be an agent in the middle of this where there was no way a club would tell you that you're going to Finland. Your agent would be in negotiations with the club, and you wouldn't probably have gone there.
4: Well, I I'll do, I'll do a bit of work with Kick It Out. I'll be going to Newcastle tomorrow to talk to academy players. Last week, I was in Liverpool for four days talking to um, academy players' parents because they're the parent of the elite child. So it's worth, obviously, sharing some stuff with them. But um, even when you're up at these sort of clubs, you're seeing, you know, the clubs are signing players at five and six years of age. When I first came into the professional environment, I was 13, which was Brentford. Um, that's considered you know, an old person at this, this day and age. Um, how they're treated now, you know, I just showed the guys before we started. I goes, look, this is the bus nine-year-olds got off. It's an Ellison bus with all the mod cons in it. Nine-year-olds are getting off that bus to play just tournament football at half term. Um, Nike are signing players on contracts at age 12 now. So they're making money before they can even count the money and all this sort of stuff. So the game's gone all crazy. Hopefully the bubble will burst and everyone can just get back down to planet Earth. But the way it is at the moment, it is, it is quite scary in terms of what surrounds that child or what surrounds football at the moment is a lot of money and uh, it needs a lot of managing as well with the right sort of people around around players.
3: So, if if the nineteen-year-old Marcus Gale was now at Brentford, and there was a move from a Finnish team to come in for you, there would your your agent wouldn't let you anywhere near it, would he? Uh,
4: probably not. Uh, this was nineteen ninety, so the World Cup was just on. Um, but I think at the time, when that sort of generation, you you kind of done as you was told. You didn't really back chat the manager or or anything like that. You just got on and done what you, you needed to do. Um, I think nowadays, there's so many options. There's a lot more safeguarding as, as well. A lot more... Everybody's quite picky with everything now. Everything's more visual. You've got mobile phones that take pictures and all that stuff. Back then, it was all quiet, as we all know. Um, but the, the experience I got from it was, you know what? I was playing against Dynamo Kiev at 19 and scoring and playing against the, the Russian World Cup captain Demyenko um, played two games against him didn't win them, but I can't can't forget that sort of experience and what I tell young players now is get out on loan because you never get those young years back and I think a lot of players now they just kind of hide in their club <laughs> and I'm at Chelsea and blah 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 or whoever it is and then they, they they're too scared to come out they're too
3: scared to come out as a, as Brentford, I, th- I think we've we've seen the whole kind of Chelsea academy, the Chelsea conveyor belt. You know, I, my son was part of the Chelsea conveyor belt at six, um, chucked out. You know, as ninety nine point nine 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 percent are, um, and we, we get at Brentford is um, some of the really really promising ones. We get the Swifts, we 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 get um, we, we we get the Savile, Yeah, I mean Saville was a perfect one. Chuck, chucked our way, didn't really ever want to play for us, and begrudgingly did, and played all right, and 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 probably will end up on the scrap heap because his attitude would be wrong. Uh, yeah, I um, what, what, I'm, what I'm trying to say is, you know, these football conveyor belts from the Premiership clubs are they for the best for football, or is coming through the ranks doing coming down and, and earning earning your earning your spurs at? a lower league club or a championship club and just playing in front of people, you, you, surely you can never, ever underestimate the power of playing in front of a crowd. Oh, you
4: can't. Um, it's definitely helped m- my life in terms of starting off where I did at Brentford, which was, what, League One equivalent, um, playing in such, in, in such stadiums, but the experience you can't, you can't take away. Um, or having a song, your own
3: song. Exactly, which hasn't come out tonight. Whatever that
4: song may be. A load of rubbish, anyway Just a rumour, just a rumour. But with with young players, uh, you know, even the current Brentford squad, you can see the difference between, like, you know, Ryan Woods, how he's got that sort of grounding of lower league football. He doesn't shirk any sort of challenge. If he's up against Terry, he will try and go through Terry. Um, you can see the difference with, like, with Swift Ooh. last year. He's got that sort of background, which is fine. I'm not saying it's wrong, but you can see the, the, the sort of background and grounding of these players that come from the, the top end of the, of the game is that they haven't got that sort of c- that natural work effort. Everything is put there before you, and you don't kind of
3: graft your way and cultivate your career. Um, sorry, so, so I'm, I'm not trying to compare the two players, but. Ryan Woods, as you say, you know the meerkat, the one that gets the ball. He's the he's the one that's you know always looking for the pass. Is it better to be someone that's coming up from a Shrewsbury, who's really hungry for the game, than it is for a McEachran who's coming down from the Champions League with Chelsea and he's kind of like, does, does he really want to be at Brentford? You know, is it better to be from to come come from the lower leagues up? Than the higher leagues down and try and rebuild your career. What, what you know? What's best from a player's perspective?
4: I don't think there's any magic formula to it. You know, you got players that, like Ryan Woods, like myself, came from the lower lower ends of the league, and hopefully Ryan will have over 600 games, 700 games. Um, but as I said, there's no magic formula to to making it. I think the key thing is your hunger as an individual. Do you really want it? And I think, you know, playing and watching Terry as a kid coming up, you know, to be in his side and to play with him, you had to be hungry and you needed to want it. If you bottled out of anything, he'll come and bite you in your shoulder and tell you off. <laughs> um, but, you know, the game has changed. It's changed quite quite quickly in a short period of time. You've
3: got, uh, t- you've got teeth
4: marks. Have I got teeth marks? Mo- no, you didn't get that close.
3: <laughs> but,
4: as I said, you... There's no magic formula to making it as a pro. It's just depending on that individual. Obviously, there's a lot more money now. You you look at people like Theo Walker at 18, he's buying like a two million pound house. I'm like, I've played over 600 games. I can't buy a two million pound house. And that's how the game's changed. Can he cross a ball? No. No. Could I cross a ball? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Pardon? What was that?
2: Theo, yeah, he e bit, yes. Hey, I
4: just look at the game differently now. I'm like, you know, for me to get in that Brentford team, I had certain job descriptions. If I'm beating the player, cross the ball. If I'm taking corners, hit his head. I don't see that today. I think there's different kind of regulations and what, what determines a winger. You know, I sat at the last home game with Neil Smiley and we said, we would have loved to play, play that on this pitch. And oh, we would have got taken off for that sort of cross or that attempt, and I said, well it's a different world now, Neil. I goes, but well, we can look back now and reflect on what made us as us as wingers compared to modern day wingers. Yes, we were both quick. Yes, we could cross a ball. Um, would we like to play today? Most definitely, but for the right reasons. I think for me personally it 's all, it's all about the prestige it 's not about the money um, it's the fact that, you know, I had a dream as a kid. I wanted to be a professional footballer. I achieved that. Mm-hmm. And then when I got into it, I said, oh, you know what? I want to play in Division One, which is the Premier League. I've, I've achieved that. I had a crazy dream at 16 after watching Maradona in the World Cup. I would love to play in the World Cup. I didn't think it would come true, but it did. But these things kind of, you know, it drives you onto it.
1: Yeah, so just going back to that, you know, like <coughs> Mark was playing, Neil Smiley... Back in the day when we played, you know, as a defender, you get the first one free. You could just come through the back of somebody, you know. So, you yeah, that, that's the thing. But they, they, this is what these boys had to put up with, you know, like your bliss, your centre forwards. You, you, you know, as a centre-half or a defender, as large you all know, you get your first one free. You know, the first time, you just going to fucking come through and clatter someone. You know, so you've got someone, people like Messi running around now, Ronaldo. You know, exactly, you know, back in the day, you've had every centre-half or every full-back in the cu- country or world trying to mangle them. Exactly, you know, because, because you could, you know, you, you get your first one free, you'd, you'd mangle them up. And, and that's why they're such good players now, but that's why you've got to look back and say, like, boys like your Marcuses, your Bliss, Dinos, boys like that who could score, put it in every week, they'd be getting chopped down every week, but, you
2: know, they'd just bounce back. And just everyone, just as you see the food's coming through, we've uh, got pizzas on beside it on the globe as well, everyone, because uh, the kitchen's not up, uh, kitchen's a bit dysfunctional at the moment now, because obviously they're only just open today. For our do the Globe wasn't open yesterday, but it's open today, especially for our do. and uh, just to make sure that no one falls over. We've got pizzas and a bit of food and everyone, for everyone, you know what I'm saying? Which is so, thanks to Paul at The Globe, and thanks for everyone else for coming down here as well. But um, it's interesting, you were talking about, um, I'm just saying, 1990, 1991. That was a real turning point, because you two, all of a sudden, I mean, you went to Finland... And then all of a sudden, you established yourself because you scored a load of goals, and everything, thought, oh, actually, he's quite good. You came back, then you were in the team. So you and Terry were in the same team. And... Uh that's when we started competing, because that's when the team flipped as well. Simon Radcliffe came in, you've got Kevin Godfrey, you've got Graham Benstead, you've got, obviously, Batesy is in there, Bliss was in there, Smiley, as you talked about, and actually, Smiley, we want to get him for one of our socials as well, because, uh, you know, if you'd like to come, because he's an absolute... He is an absolute hero with the Bees boys as well, like I was Bees boys and girls. Uh, Keith Millen, Batesy... Dean Holdsworth, you know, and then you've got Jonesy, Cadet, Cockrum. I mean, they're on their way out. But, you know, all of a sudden, the, the beast was changing. And that was your first main season, if I remember right, in 1991, wasn't it? All of a sudden, you were in the side and you were still quite young. But you, 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 you made a mark, didn't you?
4: Yeah, I came back in October 1990 after six months. And then, I think within a week, I was thrown into the first-team squad. Um, I think we ended up that season, was it in the playoffs if I can remember Um, but I didn't have didn't have a break for about two or three years I was playing continually Um, but the experience I, I gained from just playing with the likes of Terry and the rest of the guys that held me in good stead for the rest of my career because we we had to stick together don't forget there was only two subs on the bench so the starting 11 had to be physically strong mentally strong as well and you know, the two subs, if you was luckily, luckily to be on the bench, you had to be prepared. You had to, you had to play more than one position. There wasn't no kind of specialist sub position anymore. It was like, you know what, whoever's on the bench, you can play one, two, maybe three positions and cover the whole team. Nowadays, you've got too many... Well, you've got choices. You've got choices. You've got seven in some cases. But um, I thoroughly enjoyed that season coming in to establish myself. I think I ended up getting my first goal against... I think it was Reading away... Dave, if you've got that video, I'd love to see that goal mm-hmm. again mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it was amazing. It was an
3: amazing game. Did we win
4: that one? I think we did. I think it was a, one of the
3: first times. Two one Elm Park, Elm Park. Elm Park. It was an evening game. Steve Francis in goal, I think. It, it was it was an evening game and if I if I remember rightly, it was a, one of the first times that we took like a colossal I mean I, I mean a colossal amount to an away game. Um, I, I remember well, so I started 70, 77, 78. Probably big game was Bournemouth away in the in the build-up to the eighty-five Freight Rover. But that Reading that Reading game, everyone turned up and it was proper. There was probably four thousand. We took the whole of the away end at Elm Park.
4: I think that was like the start of like a new era, era of probably different football. Um, Phil, Phil Holder taken over. Um, and I knew from my youth team base that he, he quite fancied me. Not in that way, but he favoured me. He used to use me for his demos in terms of striking a ball or this is what you do, blah, blah, blah. Um, don't forget, I, I've grown up with coaches like Phil that used to put us through training sessions where at the end of it he will test your abdominals by lining the whole squad on, on, in the line and then come and putting one foot on on your yeah. But with me, he would try and stand his fat little self up there. <laughs> <laughs> Which he did, and I'd be like, I'll be cursing him, I'll be cursing him. But it was another sign of mental testing. Um, other examples of mental testing, Terry as well, being in the same ch- change room as him, and he would probably do like, some boxing sort of stuff in his jock strap in the shower room. <laughs> and then he'll say, come here, big'un. And he'll start giving me some rib ticklers, like, oh, what the hell are you doing? But that was part of his sort of... He's getting ready to beat the centre forward up. So I took that as... That's what he's doing. <laughs> and I think there was one day where... Um, not as funny, but... I weren't quite warmed up. And I weren't quite brave enough to tell Terry I ain't warmed up enough. But I said, Oi, you. Come and give me some headers in the warm-up. So I went, Alright. I'll come and do that. And then um, I struck the first ball. Got it on his head. Second one... My big toe had caught the ground and then struck the ball and I felt a sharp pain in my, right, in my left thigh. Um, didn't think too much of it. Went to do it again, done this exactly the same thing. It ended up I ruptured my left thigh warming him up. And um, I had to report back to Steve to say, um, I'm injured. And he went, for fuck's sake, go upstairs and go and get whoever at the bar, put his pint down and get him on the bench because there was only two. <laughs> How, how, how treatment has changed. <laughs> All I had was ice treatment. And then we had, remember the G, was it the G5? So Roy Claire, God bless his soul. He was... A round of applause for Roy Clare. chocolate as, as he's known as with us. He was rubbing this massage machine on my ruptured thigh that we didn't quite know about and wondering why I'm screaming taking this treatment. I ended up sorting it out. I've still got the bloody tear there now. But um, technology's <laughs> moved on, thankfully, for all the right reasons. But the whole environment, from Roy, the physio, who, was, who doubled up as a kit man. Um, was you there when Jason Cousins pinned him down because he didn't give him any socks? I thought they were telling <laughs> <laughs> So Roy had a... He used to love Terry. He used to love Millie. If they needed treatment, any time of day, they would get it. If it was a youngster, get out no, you're not having it, and I think Jason just asked him for um, uh, just a spare pair of socks for training and Roy's favourite answer to all the youngsters was, no nope. and for whatever reason he, he pissed Jason off that day he dragged him out of the change room and he pinned him down into the change room floor not change room, the corridor floor and we had to stop him triggering that, that, that punch, we had to say you can't do that Jay, that's going too far but again that was part of what was going around, um, but nowadays it's totally different, everything's quite PC, when you listen to all the, the players now on, on Match of the Day or whatever it is, it's all the same person, doesn't matter what they look like, what club they are, they're all the same, there's no more characters no more.
2: I, I, was gonna, I wasn't even going to broach this, but as you talked about triggering a punch as well, and um, obviously you were both in the side at the time. And we we, we interviewed him uh, recently on our Hang the BJ, which is, if you do or do not know, we've got this thing which is called Hang the BJ, which uh, you've done and and Ija has still to do as well, Terry needs to do as well, but basically is um, Hang the BJ is a feature where basically you you tell a tune which reminds you of Brentford and you talk around Brentford around it, the music plays in the background and the music blasts out afterwards as well. So that's the story. So we got um, Joel on to do it recently, which is brilliant. And Joe Allen did it, and basically he kind of told us a little bit about his uh, predicament with uh, Mickey Allen, uh, Mickey b- Mickey, Bennett. Mickey Bennett. But also a b- year and a half ago, Mickey Bennett went full Monty about like his scenario with Joe and how he basically he knocked him out. And I'm just wondering, you don't have to say anything if you don't want to. But I mean, as you talking about knocking people out,
4: um,
0: <laughs>
4: missing about. I'll let you on in another <laughs> chapter later on. But with that one, I think what sparked it, we had a young player called Michael Johnson who had been out for nine months with a cruciate ligament and he had just started training back with us. And um, Joe's full-blooded, as you know. Um, he's challenged him quite roughly. And Mickey, to his point, he was just like, hey, take it, take it easy on him. He's just come back. Another challenge he's gone through. Again, Mickey's like, I said, take it easy on him. And I think Joe must have replied, like, listen, if you don't zip it, you can have some as well. (laughs) And that was it. (laughs) There was a punch, I believe. From my angle. (laughs) You know, like when a snake bites something. (laughs) It was like a blur of a punch. You never saw this. It was a... (laughs) In, out, bang. And Joe was standing there. I couldn't believe it. But there was... Mickey's not got a bad bone in him. I know he's punched someone, but he's not that way inclined. I know Mickey well; he's a churchman of all things. You know what I mean? But he's a peaceful man. Yeah, yeah, peaceful, but you know they can still they can still cause trouble. But um,
0: yeah, it was.
4: but that that was the catalyst of it. It was challenging a young young kid that's just come back. <laughs> Hopefully they've sorted out their differences. But, um, yeah, that, that was a catalyst in, from what I, I knew about because I was trained that day with him. Um, hopefully it wasn't too bad for, for Joe to take. But, but Joe was a great character anyway. He was a barrel of laughs. I think when he first signed up, I think Graham Pierce introduced him, and he? he? said he's a bit shy and he just went to everybody, went like that. So we thought, oh, he'll do. He'll fit in. He'll fit right in. It,
3: it, it, um, it certainly didn't shut him up
4: no I didn't shut him up He was he's just that way he's a Geordie is it yeah, yeah, yeah. they can talk for fun they probably talk underwater anyway yeah. but um, yeah another good good player um, someone else to look up to someone that taught me uh, you know I had Dean Halser that used to kind of teach me how to cross the ball not cross the ball but where to deliver it don't bounce it there I want it on the volley if not on the volley I want it on the deck so I had someone like Dean I mean, in my early years trying to teach me how to deliver the perfect ball for him obviously I did because he got 38 and he pissed off the Wimbledon
0: um,
4: but to his, to his credit he always put in a good word um, I think going into the Wimbledon scenario I, I know I left in 94 but I knew they was after me two years before that but at the time I, I didn't feel I was ready I didn't feel I was nowhere near ready I, wanted to play more games, get two more years under my belt and then see what happens. But um, Bino showed me a lot. Same with Bliss, same with all the players right throughout the team. I think when I was in the team as a youngster, um, I was probably the youngest one in the in the squad. So I had all these other teammates to look up to and, and kind of respect as well, which I did. Um, I'd done exactly what I was told. If they wanted me to do this, I'd done that. If they wanted me to do whatever else, I'd just got on and done it. I didn't question them didn't think anything was out of order or anything like that cuz I had ultimate respect for him because I knew that the common goal was to to work hard and try and win a game for Brentford
2: so I'm going to say your first main season and like I said there was a couple of changes that played play, place but we looked like we were going places and uh, the main thing for that season was you know we were doing all right in the league but and it's funny because I've, I've just come from a meeting with the Football League today as well, as well. And we were talking about the Checker Trade Trophy. And you uh, know, and then trying to throw some, you know, some 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 Everton players at the Checker Trade Trophy. And I said to them, like, it's funny because I said, I'm coming here tonight, I've got some free legends, I've got the, the Evans, I've got the Ija, I've got the, the the Marcus Gale, and I was doing a little research tonight, and I, and I was looking at the, the Leyland Daff and I said, the Leyland Daff back in the day was the, was the bollocks. It was absolutely brilliant. The fans loved it, the players loved it, everybody loves it, and now it's been killed for a number of various reasons... Because Of the TV, there's too many other things happening, and no one's really interested in it anymore. But back in the day, that for us was the be all and the end all because it was basically it. Because I said, I said to them, no, is that the only we had? exactly. I said, because we're so rubbish, <laughs> right? And I'm not rubbish in a negative way, but you're not going to win the FA Cup, you're not going to win the League Cup, so it's the only thing that we had to win. So it was so important to us. So I said, like, we had 4,000 fans traveling to away games. We played Birmingham City on a Tuesday night and there was 12,000 fans. It was sell out. The atmosphere was absolutely ridiculous. Like but that year, that was our year for the Leyland Daff almost. I mean, like, like I said, we, we played Southend. Southend. 3-0. <laughs> and I remember there was a the Chomp episode there, and that was like you, the Chomp. <laughs> and, <laughs> And I remember you said to me, oh my God, we, we, you know, this is just the, this is the best thing ever. Because we went to, 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 to South End in the, the Southern Leyland Daff, I think it was the semi-final. And uh, it was brilliant, wasn't
4: it? Yeah, getting pelted at left wing by chomp bars. By, probably you two, weren't it? It was you two, weren't it, Dave? You're trying to beat your full back and do something positive. And then all of a sudden you get a chomp bar in the back of your head. You're like, What the hell is that? And it's your own fans. (laughs) I think I was playing against Dean Austin then. He was end fullback. We
3: were children.
4: children. (laughs) Yeah, you could see that, but. Someone asked me about that last week. Who who started it off? And I said, yeah, it was at Brentford. Can't put a fingerprint on the chomp bars at this stage, but it's not a million miles away from you two. The old
3: um, old DNA points that way. (laughs) (laughs) But, hey, that was
4: part of a, a relationship with players and fans and you know we still talk about even tonight so it must have been a good thing but that's how the club is you know it keeps a, that sort of connection with fans and players if
3: there was a song if there was if there was a song what was the song uh, Chomp at
4: good old Brentford they're the team for
2: me score a goal throw a chomp they only cost 10p <laughs>
3: <laughs> and not only that not only that when it when it got posse which it did and Billy received probably several thousand chocolate bars, the sun ran a story and the headline was "Chocky horror Throw."
2: know you come back to I, mean, I wasn't going to mention it at all but basically as the story grew over it was just Again, us on our crew, me, Laney, a few others, we used to just throw a few chocolate bars and it grew and it grew and it grew. Uh-huh. And eventually it all kicked off and everyone's bringing chocolate bars. And then eventually I wrote to Cadbury's just, just for a little bit of help. But I said, look, <laughs> <laughs> I said, Cadbury's, cabri. <laughs> there is a Cadbury. Can you please send me some chocolate bars, please? Because it's all kicking off at Brentford and I thought nothing of it. And then I, I, a doorbell rang and I opened up and literally... I couldn't even see my door because there's, like, fucking... There's, like, boxes of chomps, <laughs> right? It was ridiculous. So I, I spent about an hour bringing these chomps into my house. I rung them up, go, fuck me, I've got, like, fucking about 5,000 chomps, right? What the fuck am I going to do? So I've come down to Brentford, and b- by this stage, the, I, was, I was public enemy number one. So, like, they were like, no. Oh. So the problem is that I, I... It was almost like a drug dealer. So I've gone inside the pub... And I was handing out chomps to people in the pub, going, look, right, you got ten, you got five, you got fifteen. And they've all got it, in, like, people have just gone in with like fucking thousands of chomps. And then I've walked, I've been searched. Like, You're alright then. But everyone else is like not being searched, so they've gone in. And remember that game we beat Bradford 6-1. Yeah. We beat Bradford 6-1. Well, and base. Off, that's right. Did you get sent off? Sent off. You yeah. got sent off, yeah. And I yeah. think you, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, sorry, sorry. we got. You got sent off. I got. I got, ejac- I got ejected.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Careful.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Matters. Yeah, exactly. Mad- I got ejected from the ground for I've got n- n- no. I got ejected for basically orchestrating, chomp, chomp, chomp throwing. You know what I'm saying? I had no bars on me, but the police ejected me from the ground. So I got thrown out and we won 6-1. And basically, there, were, there was about 5,000 chocolate bars on the pitch at the end of the game. And, uh, and it was good. But the thing, what I'm just say to you is that <laughs> that was part of the kind of Brentford vibe at the time. I mean, it was all a bit left field and a bit nutty. And the fans, because also the other thing as I you is that in the days when you were like a, a youth team player, you used to hang out with us on the terrace, on the, on the terraces. You used to come out there and say, "Yeah, man, what's happening?" And like, oh, Jesus, Marcus, Gow. <laughs> 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 yeah. And Hutchie used to do. Carl Hutchie yeah. used to do the same thing as well. And it's like those, you know, we sit down there, and all, all the players, you had a stream of players just hanging out with us, yeah, like uh, yeah, that's right,
4: <laughs> that's right. I think that was the culture back then. It was quite a lot more. Connected and, in, in that sort of way Where, as Billy's described You know, we've known each other all these years Haven't we? We've always kept in touch um, And that's a special bond So, you know, I live out in Camberley, I'm always seeing like Brentford fans everywhere Go shopping, bumping into Someone from Brentford, blah 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 But it just shows you that There's a connection, a deep connection It's always been, you know, you are made welcome To come back to the club um, the fans love seeing you around especially Ija on the pitch in that what was that coat you had on that that year man prime. you had that beige coat on you remember last season but that's the sort of culture that's at the club <laughs> and that's what we we always kind of um, endear to um, hopefully that ne- ne- that never goes because that that's what draws us back you know I'm a second-year season ticket holder now um, by choice. But my missus loves football. She's a Villa fan, but we love football. Two years! I was, I was working before that. us a chance. us a
3: chance.
4: I was here when the club was down. But seeing the club now from a fan's perspective, it's it's really good because you, you kind of appreciate what goes on the pitch and obviously what, what happens off the pitch as well. So, you know, I had a great experience going up to Newcastle a couple of weeks ago. Um, I've played there a few times in my career, but I've never actually watched a match at St. James's. Um, you've never scored against Newcastle either, have you? I've scored two, if you've done your research. Maybe. Oh, oh! Oh!
0: oh. oh.
2: Sorry, I'll retract. You never scored for Brentford against Newcastle, did you? Oh. Hey. I've scored up there twice.
4: Not down here. No, that game, so what happened to that game, man? It was on TV, man. What's happened? Oh, yeah, I remember that game. Ah. Oh. Where was I? Edge of the box. Yeah. S- supposed to pull the trigger. Yeah. And then a million things go through my head. And the trigger ain't been pulled. <laughs> and that was it. The chance was gone. We was losing the game anyway, but... I think afterwards, I think I had a girlfriend in St. Albans. I ran to that place as quick as anything for about three days. Didn't want to see football, didn't want to read any papers, put on the TV, nothing. It really disturbed me to the point where I just went into hiding, basically.
3: Well, it's, it's not that anyone's going to remember it in 25 years later. <laughs> Especially a, a guy like Billy that doesn't do his research about scoring against him. Well, I'm not going to hold that against him. <laughs> he, he clearly does not know his history. <laughs> Which is enough to make your heart go, <laughs>
4: But looking on that game a couple of weeks ago, I noticed straight away, I think it was after about five or six minutes, Harley Dean was on his D, or the centre circle D, talking to Ryan Woods, trying to give him an instruction, 10 yards away. Ryan Woods couldn't hear him. And I said, that's the difference, is that when you go to these big grounds, you ain't hearing Jack Diddley Squip. Because there's so much people in the ground, it's not like here at Brentford where there's you know twelve thousand. They were quiet, though. They was quiet, but I'm telling you, from my experience, you don't hear ten yards in front of you. You go to Anfield, Terry can tell you that as well. When that crowd noise it, it it raises up, you don't hear much out there at all. And that was one of the first indications I got from watching Brentford two weeks ago was that they're not used to that sort of level of fan base and. The atmosphere, it's a different ball game. How do you train against it? You can't replicate putting 52,000 people at training ground. I think if that game, well, when it does happen down here, when is it in January, it would be a different ball game because you've got your, your usual surroundings. Um, they've still got the same good players, but you're going to want to put your, put a shift in. I think, obviously, the key people for Newcastle was Shelby that day. They gave him way too much space because he can hit passes. I think they reflected that with that performance last week. I think they took all that sort of negativity and they could have done better and they put it into last week's game. Now they need to string that performance again. I but... Don't there that that? I don't one at a time, not time. I've only got one set of ears. <laughs> what are you saying? Go on, Claire. I don't think there's a player
3: caught
4: in the headlights at League I think there was a manager caught in the oh It could be a major... of Factors. Could be selection could be players on the pitch but ultimately it's who goes across that white line you've got to take responsibility i don't yeah but it's a it's a big occasion yep you've got to realize that's your it could be your one time you go there if you're lucky you've played a good few times like myself but you need to prepare uh, the players did prepare but you can't replicate training in front of fifty-two thousand people how do you do that
3: uh, to be honest with you, I mean, you know, we have to be honest. You know, the, the Newcastle game—I'm not saying it's a scrub game. We don't go there looking to lose, but that's the game you don't expect to win out of your out of your. But not 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 a moment. Well, well,
2: in in a way, I do agree with you. But in in a flip side of it, I see Terry was like sort of nodding his head. At the end of the day, you do believe that it's an even playing field out there. At the end of the day, you, you can. You can compete against these teams, don't you?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's you know it's eleven on eleven, flesh and blood. You know, you. I think when you go out and you play, you, you have your matchups. So, so you, you all you got to do is outdo the guys you're up against. You know, first and foremost, you, you outdo the bloke you're up against, then you can give somebody else a hand. I think that's that's how the, the, the teams But You got to go there. You know, it's it's not the uh, it's not the dog in the fight; it's the fight in the dog. When you go out there, you, you know, you. It's, it's it's a it's, it's a great. Uh, it's a great fit to, to, to play football as well you know it's on the box it's Newcastle they're the games you want to step up you know so I think as a player they're the place you want to play as a manager as a manager I think it's, it's harder getting you up for, for the for the games where the, you know the, the bottom two the bottom three they're the games the gaffer's got to get into and go we've got to fucking step up and have a go here you know go away play at Newcastle Christ do wouldn't yeah. you want to play
0: there
1: yeah. totally you know like I said it's a great fit. they they're the games to play and like I say the tough, yeah, like the slip, you know, like when you go, Marcus's been there, you know, Celtic and Rangers. They're the games where, they're, where, where clubs fuck up, you know, like Rangers will play St Mirren. And, and, and that's the games where, where they'll lose because they're the games you, you, you've got to get players up for. You
4: know, it's the Celtic Rangers games you're up for. I've got to also realise, look, there's a lot of talented players that play this game and they make it look so bloody easy, like Shelby, you wouldn't believe. The way these guys' brains think, I know there's like this notion that footballers are thick as shit. My missus thought that as me. Larry, <laughs> guys, listen, it's not as easy as that. If the game was that easy, right? Everyone will play it, right? You, so you got to pay that sort of respect that there's only a certain amount, a certain percentage that can play this game at a certain level and consistency, yeah. You're looking at people like Shelby. He's played for England in the last two years. This guy ain't no mug. He's no mug. Colbach, again, he's like another Woodsy, but an improved version of Woodsy because he's played the top flight. One day, Woodsy, hopefully, will play there with Brentford. Yeah. But if not, he could play there. Yeah. There's a massive difference in premiership, premiership players compared to good championship players. Vast difference. You look at strikers that can score 30 goals at Championship, guaranteed they're not even going to get 10 in the, in the Premier League because it's that harder, that much harder.
2: And, and wicked. So, and listen, we're going to just move on. I just want to talk just quickly about a couple of things because we ain't, we ain't, we're not even ignoring Ija Anderson, but we're trying to go through like a little time period thing here. You know what I'm saying? Terry Evans to, uh, to Marcus Gale to Ija Anderson. And we're going to come on to Ija in a little bit, a minute. But I can't go on to Ija without talking about a couple of things because even I need to know these things, you know what I'm saying? And the first thing is Birmingham City, mate. That year, as we talked to you, your first year... We played them, and then we got them in the Leyland Daff final, and it was all kicking off everywhere, you know what I'm saying? And they took 12,000, they came down to Brentford, and they robbed every single pub, and they, you know, it was, it, was a, it was a proper vibe. And all of a sudden, there was a vibe between Brentford and Birmingham City for a number of years, we were you know, they beat us one year, they beat us in the Leyland Daft, then we beat them, then we picked them to the championship and then, then they beat us and then they, we got relegated. But there was a proper vibe. To, now listen, we still sing songs against Birmingham City and they're confused. We go up there they go, are you, why are you singing songs against us? Like you know what I'm saying but like, you know, twenty five years later, we're not happy with them.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> no I'm down, maybe it's just me. I'm just wondering <laughs> I'm just wondering.
3: Hands right, hands right, right. up, <laughs> up, no, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah.
2: That's right. But listen, Mark, I'm just wondering, between you guys, what was your vibe with the Birmingham going on down at that, that time? Terry. I just think you hated every team, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it, you know, it's just...
1: Yeah, yeah. I think that, 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 for me, was my mindset. That, that's how I got around playing, playing my game. You know, everybody's different. I just... Like having that little bit of nastiness or that little bit of hatred, you know, you 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 know, it's when I I sort of controlled violence really when I sort of played. It's listen, don't don't get me wrong, it's 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 a way I like to go around. You know, that's how I earn money playing football. I I, I couldn't do it now because you know, like Marcus was saying, you know, like John Joe, yeah, I I couldn't. Yeah, I'd be on assault charges every week, you know. the game's moved on it's just I couldn't do it and that's why I I struggle to watch the game I struggle to watch the game now you know
3: is that why
1: you went to rugby yeah that was it yeah I played rugby at at school wasn't bad but it wasn't professional you know I weren't bad at football so I I was lucky enough I got got a living out of that but uh, you know Christ you know I wouldn't see these boys rolling about on the floor you know it wouldn't, happen, wouldn't have happened in Wouldn't You know, you just, put, you know, you tap someone, they're on, on the floor, you know. It's personal pride, you know, you'd be fucking hurting, you know. I remember mean, getting my me, get me cheekbone smashed in against Trammy. I'd just see it through to the end of the game. You know, you, you just didn't want to let anyone know that, that, that they'd done you. You know, that, that would be the, the case. But uh, now it embarrass me sometimes. I watch it, I just think, yeah, you I think it did, yeah. You know, if uh, if you was on a booking, you, know, you had to get your mate to go and lump someone, you know. So it was, yeah. You, you, you worked it as a little a little team thing that you know, even, yeah. You, you know, even if a centre half come up and, and left it on your at a corner, your, you know, say to Mark, him up. Fucking get your elbows up, Mark. Fucking oh, up, you know, We like we owe him one. And
3: uh, it,
1: well, yeah, that that, that was a thing. When I went to court with Blish, you know, on the Uzel case, you know, I was a character witness. They called me up and. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, that's yeah. A well. yeah. Yes. How, how did he get off that? If I was a character witness,
2: <laughs> well, it was, it was. Yeah. Ex- that. Oh, sorry, explain the situation. A lot of the fans might not know what you were character witness for.
1: Yeah, well, it was. It was just, uh, just explaining the, 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 the rhyme and reason of the game. You know, the, how the game. When you know, as you said, you know, if
2: you don't, uh, don't play football, you know, because. <laughs> well, that's you talking about for the Uzel case. Wasn't yeah, the Uzel case. So Be- a lot of people won't know. Sorry, it was how. Gary Gary Bissett basically got um, done for um, elbowing Azell in John Azell in the face, and there's all sorts of stitches and everything like that. Pictures up there, and he got done for elbowing in the face, and I think it got rejected somewhere, and then it came back round, and then it ended up being sort of a personal case. But you were called up for a character witness against that, didn't you?
1: Yeah, they, they've called a, it. It's called a few of us, and it was just a case that you know, if you don't want, don't want to get hurt, don't don't play football. You know, if you go and play chess or something, you know, there's there's always going to be that element of risk playing a contact sport you know whether it's rugby football boxing MMA you know there's there's contact involved and you've got a chance of getting bloody hurt so you know why are you booing when you get hurt you know you know the risks and if you don't you know if you don't want to take the risk
2: play chess play tiddlywinks I don't know you know go swimming so listen just going to finish off because we want to move on to Ija as well a minute and this is like a a nice little link between the two in the end of the day um Phil Holder took over from Steve Heron as we said and uh Brentford achieved promotion. Yeah, got, uh, there, there's, 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 uh, oh, there, that's it. That's it. It's coming out of court, by the way. Yeah. You know, and um, Brentford received promotion at Peterborough, which, again, for us Brentford fans, other than that Liverpool game and the, and the previous the Blackburn game, that was like basically the pinnacle moment for Brentford fans. You know, 6,000 Brentford fans went down to Peterborough, mm. and it was absolutely fantastic. We went down there. We didn't think. We we're going to win the league, and as and again, some of you probably, most of you probably supported them, but some of you might have not done. But at the time, you know, we just went up there and we were just happy to be there because we were just Brentford. We were just happy to be there, and uh, no, we, were, we were more than happy. Though. No, no, we were happy to be there, <laughs> and uh, but they, but the fact is that we were happy for you know, not happy, but Birmingham. We were going to win it, so they put the trophy up at Birmingham it was, City, it was and it was we, more than yeah, we beat, yeah. <laughs> yes. And we beat we beat Birmingham City. Birmingham City, you know, sorry, we beat Peterborough. We 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 got you know we won. Birmingham City lost that day, and the and the, the trophy was at Birmingham, it was everyone presumed Birmingham City, who's the team that we absolutely hated at the time, was gonna win the league. And we actually won that league that time, and that was just like that was like again what I talked about before when like I just died and gone back to heaven. That was absolutely the pinnacle moment. For me, as a Brentford fan, at the time. Now, I mean, Terry, you must tell us about. You must just talk about that that time because that must have been fantastic for you, and you were the captain.
1: Yeah, I think the week leading after, after we uh, trounced Fulham at home, we. Uh, yeah. we uh, yeah. I thought you liked that. Uh, yeah, we, you yeah, know, we was on a roll. I think we'd won about three on the bounce, going at the Fulham four on the bounce, and, and I think we had that sort of no fear. I don't know how you feel, Mark. Couldn't wait for the game to come around. You know, we, we just felt unbeatable, I think, at the time. Yeah, we felt invincible, really. I just thought we'd rock up there, get the result and, and go up. You know, I didn't think Birmingham would lose. I thought we'd go up as uh, runners-up. I thought we'd get promoted. and uh, I just felt great going into that week. I think
4: there was a lot of consistency with the team. Um, as Terry said, I don't think we expected Birmingham to lose, but we thought, you know what, we need to still finish our season off. And whatever direction it takes us, it takes us. So for us, it was like try and win the game, um, and if we do that, and Birmingham lose, then we know what's happening. But we want to give our our fans and ourselves that sort of moment of you know what we've completed the season
3: and um, and finished it off well. So, I've got I've got to say we, we spoke we spoke recently on the podcast on the Beside podcast about your our defining moments as as Brentford fans and. You know, we, we've had, in the last few years in particular, we've had some brilliant away wins. You know, obviously QPR recently, we've, we've done Fulham and Fulham. We've gone to Reading and done them. We've embarrassed them and Leeds and all, all kinds of places. We've been to Norwich. I mean, we've been there and we've done it. I mean, wish, wish we'd done Newcastle, obviously. But those days, that, that Peterborough game, for me, I, I think will always be special. It's 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 because there was a, a lifetime before that of just finishing nowhere, and our expectations <coughs> were so low, and it was the first time ever we'd gone somewhere and actually overachieved and we'd done it, and then we'll bring us onto IJA, doing it again at Cambridge where we went there and we had to win the game and we not only won the game we bloody well you know we, we, we really properly won the game, and Elijah uh, got he went naked on the pitch apparently. And this, this pit, <coughs> it's, 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 it's pictures. Uh, ter- Terry Evans has not got the monopoly on going naked. <coughs> we, we've heard all your stories, Tell. Oh, sure, sir. Well, yeah, you know, we was pretty naked from where I was standing, mate. Yeah. Um, so, what, what I'm saying is, you know, th- those moments are standout. They will never, ever be taken away from us because those were the stepping stones to where we are now. Mm. Those were the moments that proved that we can achieve and we could achieve. And it's like, sometimes it's like, people expect now. And I'm like, well, yeah, you can expect, and you, you can hope, and you can, you can really, you can, you can have high expectations of Brentford, but we, we need to be a bit realistic still. And, and that's where I'm like, with Newcastle, it's like, oh, we're not quite there yet. We're not, we're not quite at that stage of going to Newcastle and winning, but we can, we, we, next year we will, next year we will.
2: If you want to come down to a besotted social, it's an evening of entertainment. We get music, we get DJs, we get live performers, we might get comedians down there. Uh, We get Brentford legends and basically Brentford fans come down and have a beer. Sign up, just go to the besotted homepage and you'll see a little form on there and you can sign straight up for the social and we'll give you the information. Next social is December the 16th. So get your name down for that one and also put in your diary the 30th of April bank holiday weekend.